Again, thank you for that. Appreciate that. And Brother Tim filling in for uh, Brother Brenton as Brother Brenton's out of town and uh, leading the singing for us this, this today, all day. And again, that's uh, a huge blessing and a help. And we certainly appreciate that. I did not know that about Victory in Jesus and Tim Bartlett. And uh, I looked back and I was looking at that. And I do, I do enjoy almost many of the hymns, rather, uh, have a story behind them. And uh, many times it's very interesting and very enlightening to read uh, the story and where they were at, were at in their lifetime uh, when they wrote those songs. And just a, a good uh, blessing to, to know some of them. And when you sing them, boy, it just makes it mean so much more to you, uh, knowing the, the, where it came from, really, and the heart that it was uh, born out of. And so, uh, what a blessing. Appreciate that. Thank you, Brother Tim, uh, for, for leading singing and helping and Certainly, that's a blessing. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. And uh, we're going to look at this. And, and I, want to, um, I want to try and teach more so through these verses this evening. Uh, and, and we're going to look at several verses. And I really, I put down this as a church checklist. And uh, when we traveled as missionaries, we, uh, we of course, traveled many years um, without, any, without a vehicle or without a trailer, rather. And, and, uh, and then finally, we got a tra travel trailer. And, uh, and boy, it was a new experience. I had never pulled a travel trailer before. And so when I did, uh, there were several things. They actually gave me a, or we, they gave us, and I found alternatively as well, a checklist of, uh, of things to go through before we pulled that trailer. And, uh, and man, we, I mean, we, we parked it. We were there for two days. We hooked it back up and traveled. And, and I can't tell you how many miles we put on that. Uh, but, uh, but that checklist uh, was incredible to me. I remember the first time going through it just day one. And it's like... Um, uh, some of it we added, we added some of these afterwards because you get better with experience. And, uh, and so one of the things on the checklist was uh, take care of the stuff in the bathroom. Uh, you don't leave anything on the counter before you haul because you know what? If it's on the counter, when you're driving down the road, it's going to be on the floor uh, or somewhere else by the time you get to your destination. So uh, we had clear off the, the bathroom counters and then the kitchen counters, make sure they were all clear, make sure all the cabinet doors were all shut and everything was taken care of and uh, make sure that the slide in was actually pulled in. Yes, that's on the checklist because you know what? You get so used to it out uh, that you better check and make sure that that's pulled in and make sure that your sinks are drained and uh, make sure that your trash is emptied and the antenna, there's an antenna that goes out the top that you twirl out, you don't ever see it and you better make sure that that thing's twirled back in or you go under a low hanging bridge and you'll rip it off, all right? And stuff like that and make sure the the, uh, the awnings in, and uh, that was more of the inside. I gave all that to the girls. I was like, you go through, make sure all that's done. And uh, Micah and I, we'd head outside, and I would walk around the trailer, and you want to make sure that your electrical plug is unplugged and taken care of, all right? You don't want to be dragging that thing down the road. And uh, make sure that your sewer tanks are drained, uh, and then make sure that your sewer line is taken care of. And so we, put, we would put that in. And then the water hose, you had to go through, and uh, you had to make sure you disconnect that, and then drain the whole thing and then wind it all up and store it and put it away and uh, then you want to take the chalks out from under the wheels and uh, just make sure that the step is put up and and we'd go through and we'd do everything all the jacks around the outside were all put up you don't want to leave those uh, down and and by the time you got all done and you got that thing hooked up 
And uh, boy, then you were finally ready to uh, pull out. But we had to go through that checklist. And I kept a paper list for a long time. And then finally, I just got it all in my head. And I just knew, you know, hey, we got to do this, do this, do this. We just would do it mentally. But for a long time, we kept a checklist. And so this, this list that we're going to look at this evening, I would call it a church checklist. If you think about the fact that in Romans chapter 12, uh, he covers the body in the beginning part and uh, presenting our body. And then the uh, verses 3, 4, down through 9 or somewhere in there, uh, verse 8 rather, he covers the body of the local New Testament church and how we have different gifts and different abilities to be able to plug in. And then 9 down through uh through 16 that we'll cover, 10, 9, 10 down through 16, he's covering that checklist that we're going to look at and those things that we ought to do. So Romans chapter number 12 and verse number, well, we'll go back to verse 9 that we looked at last week. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to gather in your house. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. And God, I pray that you would help us tonight as we look at this checklist of things in our life that we need to make sure that we have in check and that, uh, that we're able to do uh, the very best that we can as a Christian. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, we'll give you the honor and glory uh, for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, um, these verses, uh, and of course 9 is a foundation, I think, that we laid last week. Uh, and that lies at the base of it. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. That's foundational to all of these things that we're going to look at. But verse number 10, uh, I made these all simple, all right? They're all going to be B. Uh, so be loving. Uh, in verse number 10, he says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And uh, this command is frequently um, given in the New Testament. I mean, he says over and over, uh, love one another. And this is how that you'll, they'll know that you're my disciples, that ye have love one for another. In the Gospel of John, it says that. In uh, the, the book of 1 John, it admonishes us, love one another. In many of the, uh, the epistles, it's encouraged, hey, love one another. And uh, it's given so frequently in the New Testament and yet practiced sometimes so little amongst Christians. And, uh, and we ought to make sure that we love one another. I know growing up in church, uh, my, my dad was military my whole life. 
and uh, we moved to different places and lived here for two, three years and then moved over here and lived there for two or three years. And, and the people of the church were always like family to us. I remember growing up and just feeling like uh, people were like, well, don't you miss your family? You don't go home for, uh, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and this and that. We often live too far to go home to, for family uh, get-togethers. And I said, well, no. I said, we just we get together with church people. And, uh, and that's just how I grew up. I mean, church uh, always fit in and filled in uh, wherever there was the need for family. And, and the church always was a family to us. And that's a biblical concept. He says here that, uh, that our love, or that we should love one another uh, with brotherly love. And, uh, and so that's something that's important, that we should uh, care one for another. We ought to be concerned one for another. And I love that he put in there, uh, I'm going to add this, right, uh, with brotherly love. Now, I had an older brother and a younger brother, and sometimes we did not always get along. I'll tell you that. But they're still my brothers. I still love them. Even though I might not agree with them all the time, I still love them uh, because they're family. And, uh, and listen, sometimes as family, we might not always agree. We might not always, uh, sometimes somebody might egg you on. My brothers used to egg me on and, and, and make me mad. I mean, that was kind of the idea. How far can you push him before he gets mad, you know, and boils over? And, uh, and sometimes, you know, people do that, but, but we still love them. And they're still our, our brother. Uh, and we ought to understand, hey, in Christianity, and more so in the local New Testament church, that we ought to love one another. We ought to treat each other kind of like family in that regard. And, uh, and so we see that in verse number 10. He says in the second part, in honor, preferring one another. Well, that's not always easy, putting others first before yourself. Uh, that's what the whole idea of that statement, preferring one another, putting others before yourself. We, we live in a, in a very, very selfish society. Matter of fact, uh, I, I think it's getting worse, and I don't even know how that's possible. But, it, but I think it is getting even worse. And how much more important it is in a New Testament local church to, to put other people uh, at a higher priority than ourselves. And that's not always easy. And, and uh, so many people are, uh, are all about me and me first and, and what can you do for me. And listen, we ought to be looking to serve the Lord. We ought to look to, to, to love one another and say, hey, you know, I want to help you serve the Lord and, and not be so interested in uh, selfish motives. And he's saying, hey, preferring one another. So he says, be loving. Put that on your checklist. Be loving one to another. Look in verse number 11. And I love this verse. He says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not only should we be loving, as it says in verse number 10, but we ought to be serving the Lord. Uh, all of this is, of course, in context. He's talking about the local uh, church there in the earlier verses. and he's, So he's talking about in service to the Lord, and he says, not slothful in business. Uh, but then he goes on, he says, serving the Lord. Our purpose in life ought to be in service to the Lord. 
And, uh, and we ought to be careful that that's who we are serving. You know, sometimes people get caught up in, in serving uh, other people, and it's not wrong to serve other people, but, but you ought to be careful that, hey, we're not serving uh, a person or an individual because we think, well, that's going to uh, go well for us. No, no, our service always ought to be to the Lord. That's who we ought to be serving. We ought to be looking to please the Lord. We ought to be looking as, a, as if we think about the body all working towards the same purpose that we touched on a few weeks ago, then the idea is that, hey, we would, we would evangelize the lost. As I said, we would educate the saved, and we would exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's kind of the purpose of our church. And so if we're doing that, then our service is going to be rendered to the Lord. But then he says this in the first part of that verse. He says, not slothful in business. In other words, hey, listen, the, the, the ministry and the work of the Lord should never take a second rate and say, well, you know, it's, it's the church. It's not as important. No, no, listen, the church, I don't care how big it is, the ministry that's service to the Lord ought to be to the very best of our ability that we can get it done, not slothful in business. Well, you know, it's good enough for who it is. No, we ought to do the very best that we can because we are ultimately serving the Lord. I heard a wonderful quote um, several weeks ago, probably a month ago or so, and, uh, and I, I don't remember exactly how it went, but, but the pastor said this. He said uh, he, he was talking to another pastor, and the pastor said, he said, well, you know, we just have a small church, and he stopped him. He said, no, no. He said, there is no small church. Every church that is serving the Lord is of utmost importance and carrying out the very best work on the face of the earth that can be accomplished. He said it doesn't matter how much, how, what size it is, as long as the work is being done towards the Lord. And we ought to remember that, hey, our, our service ought to not be slothful in business. And I love this. He says, fervent in spirit. One of the things in Peru, they, uh, they played a lot of soccer. And I remember going down, and I played soccer in high school, so I, I fit right in, man. I, now, they would, they would run circles around me. They were ten times better than I was, but at least I knew the idea and what was going on. So I, I could fit in in that regard. And, and so I'd play soccer with them, and they had, a, uh, they had a children's home for orphans down there, and I would play with them sometimes, and, and, and they would all go out there. And it, it amazed me. I mean, the, uh, the older fellas, the, the young kids, and I mean everyone. It wasn't like uh, younger First of all, it was everyone was divided on teams, and it didn't matter. Uh, I don't know how old they would have been, 60. Uh, you know, you know when, you're, when you're like 20, everyone looks old, okay? So I, I don't know how old they were. But, uh, but, uh, but they were, you know, it was the older and the younger. And I'd watch those young kids, man, they would, they would run circles. But those old fellas, those older fellas, I'll be careful here, the older fellas, they would play with extreme skill. I'd watch those guys, and, and man, they would have that ball, and, and just a few steps, uh, this kid would be there trying to get the ball, and just a few steps, that kid had to run all the way behind him because the ball was behind him. Then it, just a few more steps, he'd turn around, and that kid would eventually be running circles around that fella and be wore out, and that fella's just playing with his mind. I mean, he's, he's straight up skilled, and he knows what he was doing, and, uh, and he didn't have to exert a lot of force to be able to do it, and they just pass it off to someone else. And, uh, and he played with skill. I'm glad that the word of God here says, Sir, not slothful in biz business, fervent 
in spirit. I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know, not everyone has the same strengths and abilities. We're uh, sometimes in, in, in ministry, uh, people have to step down from some things because it's just too much for them to continue going forward with that ministry that they are doing. But God in his wisdom did not say fervent in our strength, but fervent in our spirit. And it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 105 years old, your spirit can be just as fervent as it was when you were 20 years old. You understand what I'm saying? And he's saying, hey, it's not so much maybe that you can't do everything that you're, you used to be able to do, but that your spirit would not digress and slip away from the Lord. And he's saying not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And our area of service may vary one from another. We all cannot do the same things, but we can all do something and serve the Lord. So we ought to be loving. We ought to be serving. Well, not only that, but in verse 12, he goes on and he says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And I just lumped all three of those into one uh, of being praying. Be praying. Um, as I look at that, prayer enables a patience in tribulation. Everything, every tribulation that you go through, he says they're uh, patient in tribulation. And, uh, and listen, every tribulation that you go through, uh, you can have patience in that tribulation if you'll just bring it to the cross. You'll bring it to the foot of the cross and say, God, I'm going to leave it at your feet. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I've, I've come up against something and, and something that's bigger than me. And it's not very hard to find things that are bigger than me and problems that I can't solve. It's not hard to find problems that I can't solve. And, and I just take them and I say, God, I'm going to leave it at your feet. And I'm going to let you handle this because I can't handle that. I don't know the answer to those problems. I don't know how to resolve that situation. But God, I'm going to leave it at your feet. And you know what? It's far easier to be patient in tribulations because I've carried it to God and I've said it's yours. Now, I like to worry. I confess to you. That's probably one of my besetting sins. And I like to go back and pick it up and, and fret about it and say, man, I, Lord, I see you haven't done anything with this yet. It's still sitting here. And, and God, maybe I should do something. And, and, uh, and, and God said, hey, just leave it there. Patience in tribulation. And saying, hey, we need to just let it go and leave it for God. And it's not always easy, but when you leave it for God, it enables us to be patient in the tribulation and allow God to take care of the problem. Not only that, but I want you to notice that prayer also, uh, when you do leave something at the feet of God, hey, it's, easy to it's easier to rejoice. Even in the tribulation, even in the trial, even in the struggle, even in the difficulty. And say, God, uh, I'm trusting in you. But I tell you what, when he does answer that prayer, man, it's even better. Because you say, wow, I know God did that. I know that wasn't me. I would have messed it up better than God. I would have messed it up worse than what God has done. Uh, but, but God has, has answered prayer, and we can rejoice in that. And we ought to be praying. We ought to be loving. We ought to be serving the Lord. And, uh, and these, are, these are things that we ought to check in our checklist because sometimes, hey, it's easy to miss something. 
It's easy to bypass something, and it's things we got to keep uh, on top of in our life. Verse number 13, he says, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. And so I put down there, be giving giving one to another. I've witnessed generosity in our church and uh, people being generous, gen, generous uh, one to another. Somebody finds out a need that somebody has and, and is a blessing and a help. And that's a biblical concept that he says here that we ought to be helping uh, and, and, and giving one to another. He, you can mark this down. Well, we can go over there. Go with me to Luke. Save your spot there in Romans chapter 12. But go with me to Luke chapter number 6. Luke chapter number 6, and I want you to see this verse, and I know it's not new, it's nothing new that you've not seen before, but I believe it's such an important verse. Luke chapter number 6 and verse 38. We use this verse for, for, for many things, and it's appropriate, it fits many different things. And Luke 6, 38, he says this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. And then in the, the, towards the middle of that verse, he says, Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You know, if you give, it's just a, it's just a rule in God's book that if you give, others will give unto you. And I like the verse because sometimes we think, well, it should just mysteriously appear from heaven and it ought to show up out of heaven. And no, the Bible says right there that shall men give unto your bosom. In other words, that other people will turn around and reciprocate uh, back to you. Uh, sometimes things that, that you just don't even expect or realize. And so we ought to be generous one to another, be giving. And he goes on in Romans 12 and he says, uh, not only to be, be giving unto those that have need, but uh, he says, be hospitable. Given to hospitality is the words he says. And uh, that is, hospitality is the practice of receiving and entertaining guests without reward. And it's certainly good to entertain guests. It's good to have people over and it creates a, a family-like feeling amongst believers. And, and so we ought to be concerned one for another and be giving one to another, be loving, be serving the Lord, uh, be praying as we look at the checklist of things that we ought to be accomplishing in our lives and in our church. And we find not only that, but verse 14, this one's a little bit harder perhaps. He says, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. I put down, be blessing. Be blessing one another. Don't be vengeful. You know, it's our natural instinct uh, when somebody is cruel or mean uh, that our flesh, I mean, it just boils up inside. And, and our instant reaction and our desire is to, uh, man, he did that to me. Uh, and, and we play a game in our house. We have several games and we like to play games. And in and, uh, and, and one of the games, it, it's, um, uh, you can do something mean to the other player. You can steal one of their pieces or something like that. And, and, uh, and so oftentimes what's said when that game is being played is, hey, if you steal from me, I'm going to steal twice from you, buddy. And so uh, you're trying to dissuade them from stealing from you and choose another player to, to, to steal from. But, but that's really how our flesh operates. You do that to me, buddy, I'm going to get you twice as bad. 
And I'm going to teach you a lesson. If you mess with me, I'm going to get you back. Well, the Bible tells us here in our verse, he says, bless them which persecute you. That is not easy, and that is not our first reaction that our flesh goes to. Our first reaction is payback and vengeful, and that's the fleshly way. But the Bible would tell us, hey, be a blessing to somebody else. Be uh, encouraged. Don't be vengeful. He says, bless them that persecute you. Listen, when people slander you, uh, and, and they want to t- explain how wicked you are to everyone else. Listen, we don't have to turn around and, and slander them or, or tell everyone how bad they are. The Bible says, bless them that persecute you. And it's not easy and it's not enjoyable, but I'll tell you this, you get to it towards the end of the, uh, the, the chapter as he deals with some of the negative things. We probably won't get to that tonight, but, but uh, we thinking about being a blessing, you think about, well, uh, the fact that God is keeping track of everything. The Bible says this in Matthew 12, 35 and 36, and you can mark it down there, Matthew 12, 35 and 36. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. You say, well, how do you let people get away with it? You just remember, God's keeping track of it. And so I don't have to keep up with it. I don't have to even concern myself with it. Because the fact of the matter is, if I know that I'm doing right, and if I know that I'm serving the Lord, and if I know that I'm, I'm busy, I, you know what? It would be a waste of my time to track down those that would slander, those that would, uh, that would go against uh, me or my person or your person and say, you know what? We're spinning our wheels. We're wasting our time. I've got more to do to serve the Lord than to track down something that God's already keeping track of. God knows every idle word that's given. God knows everything that's taken care of. And you know what? God is keeping track of those things. So that alleviates me of that burden. And that enables me to say, hey, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. We go a whole nother segment on curse not, especially in the day and age we live in. But uh, uh, just understand that we ought to be a blessing one to another. And, uh, and yes, it goes against our flesh. Yes, it goes against our na- natural desires many times. But it's a biblical reference, a biblical uh, thing that we ought to do. Verse number 15. He says this, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. I put down there, not only ought we be a blessing in verse 14, but we ought to be sympathetic in verse 15. Joy. You know when something goes well for somebody else, rejoice for them. I mean, if, if a brother or sister in the Lord uh, gets a raise at their job, hey, be happy for them. Don't begrudge them of that. Uh, you know, if, if something goes well in their life, be happy for them. It, it's, there's nothing wrong with being joyful when people are joyful. And maybe they're going through a, a trial or a trouble or a difficult situation. Hey, be sad for them. When they're, diff- when they're struggling, when they're going through something, be sympathetic. Be, be, that kind of goes with be loving, but just be sympathetic with them. Uh, so many times we, um, 
I remember, and I'm, I still, I'm not a super sympathetic guy. I try to, but I'm not real good at it. And my wife, sometimes she would tell me stuff, and, and I'd say, well, then this thing's done, this thing's done, this thing's done. And my wife, especially when we first got married, she's like, I don't want you to fix every problem. Just listen. That's all I want. I'm like, oh, I thought I was supposed to fix everything. And, 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 uh, and, and I had to learn, and, and we need to learn sometimes to be sympathetic with other people. Hey, sometimes, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with being sad with somebody else when they're, when they're sad. And just, hey, going through it with them and letting them know, hey, you're there for them and that you care about them. And, and being, it goes right back up to the, the first verse, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, be loving. And that's part of it, to be sympathetic with people as they go through struggles and they go through trials in their life. Look with me at verse 16. He says this, be of the same mind one toward another. Boy, that's a hard thing to do, to be honest with you. Be of the same mind one toward another. And then he goes on, he says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. For verse 16, there's very clearly three different things that are given there, but I believe they all point to the same thing, and that would be be unified as a church. Be unified. He says there in the first part, he says, be of the same mind one toward another. And that would be the idea of loving one another and saying, hey, we are striving toward the same purpose of serving the Lord. I've used the illustration many times that, that uh, if this pulpit were to represent uh, God and, and I were way over here and maybe my thoughts and my philosophies were way over here and somebody else's ideas and their philosophies and their upbringing had them way over here on this side. But as we draw closer to God, you know what? We're going to get closer one to another. And that's going to be a natural thing that's going to take place within a church body as we grow to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I've given this illustration before as I went to Peru. Uh, I was, believe me, I was far different than Peruvians. My mindset was different. I didn't think like them. I didn't act like them. I, my, uh, uh, everything about my, uh, my being, my upbringing, and who I was was far different from who they were. But that didn't mean we couldn't be unified. How are we unified? Because we, we love the Lord. And we grew close one to another. Yes, they would still do things that would drive me crazy. I'm sure that I did things that would drive them crazy too. But you know what? We learned to be unified because we love the Lord. And it was the Lord that brought us together. It was the, the Lord that would bridge those differences and the differences of culture and the differences of philosophy and the differences of thought that would say, hey, you know what? What is important is we need to serve the Lord. We need to see lost people hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. And that was a unifying thought. And so it says there that, uh, that we say, uh, be of the same mind, one toward another. I like the next phrase. He says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. What he's saying is, don't ever get too big for your britches. 
hey, somebody that walks into church and that's new and, and maybe they don't have all the, uh, the things that you have and maybe they don't have the same interests that you have and, and sometimes it's not easy to connect with people. And I think, I think we ought to make a connection with people. I, do, I try to, to connect with people and, and, and sometimes somebody would come in and maybe they would be different just as the, gospel, or the book of James says, he says, you know, somebody would enter with goodly apparel and we'd say, well, he's easy to get along with, easy to, to, to learn who he is. And then another fellow that would enter and maybe he wouldn't have as good as of apparel. But yet we ought to, as the Bible say, would say condescend to him. In other words, come down to his level and say, hey, how you doing? I'm glad to see you here today. Not, not look down on him, but rather come down and say, hey, you know what? I'm glad you're at church and I'm glad that you're doing this. In Peru, we had, um, I know I've given this illustration too, but we, we, we kind of had our church in town. But in town, there, there was also some, uh, they, were, they were campesinos, if I could say it that way. In other words, their family was really from the country. And, and in Peru, it was really divided, and the people from the country were really looked down on. But as they came into our church, we just, we just took them for who they were. We, we just said, hey, you know, you're a person, and we, we care about you. And it took a long time. Matter of fact, it took years to bridge some of the, uh, the, the, the gaps that were there with some of those people that they would actually come up and talk to us. And, and I'm glad that they did. What is that? That is, that is coming down, not thinking, well, I'm an American, and, you know, I'm so much better than you. No, that's saying, hey, we're both people. We're both, we're in the eyes of God. We are sinners that have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the ground, I've heard it said many times, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all the same if you think about it. And, and so uh, he's saying here that we ought not to think of ourselves as higher and, and we ought to uh, not think, well, we're better than everyone else in superiority. And he really ends with that. He says, be not wise in your own conceits. In other words, don't become arrogant thinking that we're better than everyone else. Listen, yes, we, uh, we're in church on a Sunday night. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful for that. But don't ever, ever let us think, well, we're better than those people or those people or those people. Hey, listen, they need to grow in their life. We ought to encourage them. We ought to strengthen them. We ought to help them and not think, well, we're, we're, we're better than everyone else. No, we're not. Uh, we've just had an opportunity to grow in our life. And we ought to encourage everyone around us to grow to the same extent and, and try and encourage them uh, to serve the Lord. And what he's saying is, hey, be unified in your mind. Sometimes that's difficult with different uh, cultures and different backgrounds, but, uh, but I hope that that's just a help as a checklist as we look at all those. Be loving, be serving, be praying, be giving, be blessing, uh, be sympathetic, and be unified. There you heard it, seven points in less than an hour, amen, and I don't think you thought I could do it. But we ought to be unified. And all of those things, you know what, if we're doing all of those things, unity is going to come so natural. It's not going to be hard. You look at your life and you say, well, I ought to be sympathetic with this person. Well, that's part of it. Praying one for another, giving one to another, preferring one another, loving one another. All of those things are driving toward that unity. And that unity will come naturally if you're just going through your checklist. Listen, it's easy to go through life and it's easy to miss 
one of those things. I'm trying to think. I don't think we ever, um, I didn't ever drive down the road with my plug hanging out the back of my trailer. But I know there's a few times that, uh, that the, the counter didn't always get cleared off and stuff ended up on the floor. Or, or uh, I remember a jack that we bent as well because I don't think it got jacked up all the way and, and we bent that thing. And, and, and so what I'm saying is, listen, as you go through life, it's easy to overlook those little things. It's easy to miss some of those things. And so it's a checklist that we got to keep up on in our life. And as a church, so that we can say, hey, we need to be serving the Lord, unified, praying, giving, loving, sympathetic, all of those things that we could be in unity one with another. As we stand to our feet with our heads bound and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your word. Just some practical, practical, down-to-earth wisdom from your word, God, that we ought to do. Blessing one another and sympathizing and giving and loving and serving you. And God, I pray that you'd help us to do those things, that we would keep a checklist in our life. We'd keep those things in check in our life. And say, God, help us to live our life for you. And help our church, God, to grow together and to reach others, Father, for your honor and for your glory. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person that's here tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. As the music plays.